Sonic Statesman.com. Okay, so hello and welcome to Sonic Talk number 98, hurtling towards 100. Don't forget, folks, we're going to be doing the, the, the live recording of the 100th podcast live of the live recording on 24th of September, 4pm. You can find it at sonicstate.com forward slash live. And I'd like to welcome, first of all, PJ Tracy, who uh, was a bit uh, sidetracked last week. He tried to get across town, but the, the Republicans wouldn't let him. <laughs> yeah, we, we were hosting, well, St. Paul, rather, was hosting, which is the city across the river from me in Minneapolis, was hosting the Republican convention. So we had some unconventional traffic uh, patterns throughout town. And needless to say, I was late leaving the house to get over to the studio. So I was uh, waylaid and arrived uh, too late to record the podcast. Were you tailed by lots of gentlemen talking into their sleeves? I wish. I'm just uh, not that good looking. <laughs> he's coming. He's coming. Uh, anyway, well, thanks for joining us this week. And uh, I guess it's all tidied up and all of that stuff has gone. Anyway, we got very fulsome coverage over on the BBC. In fact, it was en- it was endless. My partner, Jane, said, do you think any other country in Europe is as interested as we are in, uh, in the American elections? <laughs> uh, to which not. I had no answer. <laughs> anyway, they have it. They have it on on radio every bloody day here in Germany. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I figured it was probably because obviously we're the same native speakers, so that makes it kind of easier to cover, doesn't it? And probably less expensive, and you know what have you. So that's why we do it, I guess. Okay, yeah. and uh, that other voice you heard there. Oh, PJ Tracy, hold on a minute. Haven't you got a URL now? Yes, sir, I do. PJTracyMusic.com. Is that right? That is correct. Hey, I'll put it in the show notes. If I get used to it, I'm going to be saying it a lot Very to make good. Up, making up for lost time. Uh, the other voice you heard there was uh, non-Eric from Berlin, musotalk.de, um, purveyors of fine video broadcast podcasts and music reviews and that kind of thing. Um, you've just done the Euphonics uh, Controls Artist Series, right? Yes. And uh, is it something you feel comfortable talking about or is it too exclusive? Mm. It's too exclusive. No, I think uh, it works quite well with Logic 8. Uh, tried that out, but uh, also found a couple of stumbling stones here and then, here and there. I mean, because we saw it at Limbs, uh, where it was finally on display kind of a bit more without a, without a chaperone, if you see what I mean. There was a guy there, but it was you could actually touch it and get involved. And uh, it looked great, but uh, there, were, uh, there were a few things I'd kind of like to, like to have known a bit more about. But anyway musotalk.de is where you can find that and perhaps sooner or later on sonicstate.com you never know so how have you been Hans has it been a good week been busy 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 yeah yeah last uh, yesterday we've been uh, at the Just Music uh, store here there was a joint propeller heads and uh, Ableton workshop uh-huh. as, they, as these product demonstrations are called these days yep do you remember remember the days when there would be product demonstrations and workshops? Vaguely. Now we have now we have product demonstrations in disguise called workshops. Ah, yeah. But 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 to be really really fair, um, it was quite good because there was lots of live music and there was Simon Gray, who people who've seen it on Music Talk already know him. He's an Australian keyboard player and based in Hamburg, and he does uh, road shows and live shows and demonstrations for um, the propellers as well. But he's also a very very good player and he's played with some top artists, so that made it you know more of a sort of a mixed event it was a lots of product demonstrations but there was also lots of music which was good oh that's great 
a bit of both. Anyway, um, thanks for joining us. Uh, also, we got Mark Tinley. How are you, Mark? I'm very well. Good. We missed you last week, didn't we? I went to visit Adam in Ramsgate. <laughs> I helped him plug his studio in. Ah, right, okay. Did it all work properly? It did all, yeah, it all worked remarkably well, actually. It took me three hours to get there, I think. Oh, man, that's a long way off. Spent several hours setting it up and three hours to get back. So I managed to do it all in one day and sort of leave him with something that made sense to him. I mean, his problem mainly being that whenever any real engineers go in there, they make it so complicated he doesn't understand how to use it. So I've, you know, made it very, very simple and done it in Tinley language so we know what's going on (laughs) as only a brother can do for his brother indeed of course mark tinley can be found at myspace.com forward slash mark tinley uh dave spears from g4 software completes our what are we are we're five what's that a quint a quint of something or other anyway dave g4software.com how are you doing I'm all right. I'm a bit worried, though. There's this sort of black hole appeared just behind my left Yes. Aren't we, <laughs> haven't we proved we're all alive? Um, this morning, of course, was the testing of the uh, Collider thingy in CERN, the thing that cost £5 billion, or that's uh, roughly five ten billion dollars to to fire a few um, protons at each other, which they apparently did this morning. I think I heard... I'm not sure if I'm right, but there was all sorts of... Um, stuff saying oh god how do you know it's not going to end the world i guess we know it's not going. at least that particular experiment's not going to end the world but didn't they say something along the lines of correct me if i'm wrong yes we tried it this morning and it generated a temperature several hundred times hotter than the sun did anyone hear that or did was that just something that wafted over the airwaves and i maybe i was it was out of context see i don't think i don't think anything can cause the end of the world what not even the end of the world no, because because I think I've got this whole strange theory about death, and that is that I can die in your reality, but I can't die in my own. So uh, I'm still here because it's impossible for me to die in my own reality. So maybe, in fact, Mark, if you follow that through, we're all actually dead, and the world has, has in fact gone, but we just don't know it because we're all in our own realities. In a parallel universe, yes, it's not there anymore. In my universe, I'm still here doing stuff. I wonder if the scientists have taken that sort of uh, data into account when analysing the stuff that comes out of this experiment, because that could put a whole new slant on it. Mm. My only confusion is how I created these guys in the first place. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I'll tell you what, who who probably does wish that uh, that a black hole did open up and swallow up the entire universe, and that's probably Sony, who who have just recalled 438,000 Vio laptops. Guess what Gina bought on Saturday? She bought one of those, did she? Uh, not the same model. Not but a TZ. Bio, and These, it said humbly on the box, made in China. So um, just let's hope they figured the problem out by now. Oh, man. Well, the um, this TZ series um, is a worldwide recall, apparently, though not in the UK. I don't know why not the UK. Do they make them in different factories for different territories? Who knows? Anyway, the problem is related to an irregularly positioned wire near the computer's hinge and or a dislodged screw inside the hinge which can cause a short circuit and overheating in fact sony have received guess how many reports of overheating including one consumer who had a minor burn how many do you reckon for them to issue a recall for four hundred thirty-eight thousand? Five thousand. no ten thousand lower 59 i like the number nine 15 wow now that's what i call some cautious company right there but i suppose you have to but jesus Wow. What a cock-up. 
Again, Sony, uh, come on. I thought they were doing well. I thought they kind of finally pulled it out of the bag and they hadn't made any big mess-ups. Aren't these the guys with the battery problem as well? Yeah, they, that was a mere 400,000-odd battery recall. <sighs> so okay. they, I suppose this is worse by, by order of magnitude. I used to use Sony laptops, and I really like them. I've still got a Sony PCG Z something or other, a little tiny one with a metal case. It was before they started making them really crappily. Uh, it was very expensive, and I used it to run the whole Sonic State kind of thing off for a long, long time, and it was absolutely brilliant. And in fact, it's still working with – I gave it to my lodger, and he's still using it. So it must be – gosh, it must be at least – seven or eight years old i mean that doesn't sound very old but in terms of laptops it's pretty doing pretty well it was probably the good old days oh the good old days i bet sony wish they had it sounds like they've got some bloke who's fallen asleep at the sort of factory end you know checking things and whoever it is that's doing which seems to be a fairly common occurrence things that are made in china one of the big there's a real shortage of people who are able to go over i think they call them application engineers is this right to sort of oversee the manufacture process and make sure that the either the quality control or their you know the attention to detail and that the, the manufacture process is just so and these guys um apparently i was talking to a couple of people yesterday at plaza at the uh, london plaza show and uh, they were saying, you know, these people in such high demand, people who can, you know, Chinese native speakers who have engineering and application skills that can apply themselves to electronics and the manufacture process. And they're just earning absolute fortune and they're all walking off because they're not getting paid enough and getting working for other people. And maybe that's what happened to Sony. I don't know. Wow. Doesn't happen in software, though, Dave, does it? Uh, no. <laughs> uh, no. No, what would you do? You have to do a recall. What sort of software recall? The Airbox had a little bit of sharp, a badly, a badly installed staple. Puncture wounds. Yeah, causing puncture. <laughs> Imagine if you only had fifteen people complaining about it, and um, you know one of them hurt their finger. That would be enough, according to this. You'd have to recall all twenty million of your software discs, except in the UK. Apart from in the so, UK, because UK there's people, no lemon law. Yeah, it says, "Don't be such an ass." Yeah, I've sprained my thumb downloading your software, Dave. <laughs> I have RSI, RSI, because your website was too slow to respond. Oh, that sounds like an everyday tech support question. To don't, me. don't. Can you, can you imagine? There must be a point at some point. Somebody's going to start suing websites for sort of something like that you know it's kind of your user your user interface was too distressing and it caused me to to kind of you know whatever faint or break my mouse with frustration or something god i, I suppose that's coming isn't uh, it we're all I gonna think, have to you take- know what i find what i really find weird in this discussion is that here we have the story of a major company having to recall lots and lots and lots of faulty stuff they produce but this could be only why do we only hear this one story and why is this being so important while about 80% of all the goods being produced these days would really need to be recalled if we really take this seriously? There's, um, there is a website for recalls and it's shocking the amount of stuff that gets recalled, actually. Well, do you, do you think, I mean, how many, you know, they've got, they've, presumably they've tried to contact all 485,000 people, owners. I mean, what, how many do you think they'd get back? I mean, what do you think the return rate would be? You know, what, half a percent? One percent? Well, I, mean, I, I, I returned my uh, PowerBook G4 uh, uh, battery. 
But that's different because you could still it could still <laughs> it could still run. You could just leave it plugged into the mains. Whereas you turn your you take your computer back and it's like bye bye. Am I ever going to see you again? I don't know. So do you think that many people Nick would take the gamble and just keep their their computer going? Well, some people wouldn't have any choice. I mean, if your laptop is usually something that you work with all the time and you send it back to Sony, sure. I mean, how long are you going to how long is it going to take? A couple of yeah. weeks, probably. Yeah. It's like well, okay. <laughs> Or they they did actually say that they they would actually send someone around to fix it. My partner Gina was talking about our juicer. We've just bought a juicer and it was hellishly expensive. It's not a Sony, is it? No, it's not a Sony, but it was it was it's a I think it's a Philips actually. Okay, it's over a hundred pounds though. And her friend has the same juicer and has had it for eighteen months, and it's absolutely shot. It won't juice anything. And ours is already, we've only had ours like, what, two, three months, and it's starting to have problems with things like pineapple with the skin left on, and it says it's supposed to be able to do that, right? Right. So she cynically said, well, probably somebody sat down at the, the marketing board and they've gone, wonder how often people are going to use these things. They'll <laughs> I could tell use it for a month and it'll end up in the cupboard. <laughs> Two weeks, and then when you figure how how annoying and difficult and long-winded it is it to is clean the thing, <laughs> you just go, oh, sod that, I'm going to go down the shop and buy a smoothie. Yeah. So they, they figure, you know, that, that it's only going to get a month's use anyway, so why build it to a quality that will last for more than a month? You think? <laughs> That's a cynical view of it. At the oh, that sounds almost like the quality of the MacBooks, right? Uh, we have got one MacBook. I don't. I think it's lasted all right. I mean, it's not in my possession. Andy uses it. Seems okay, but he's very careful. So I'm all probably- the paints come off my PowerBook, and the metal bit on the top's peeled up, so it's got one corner sort of hanging off it. Really? That's only two years old. Yeah, it's appalling build quality. I've had to stick it back together with super glue. Actually, well, you mean only two years of being chucked in a rucksack and driven round the con- round country lanes at, at high G force on the back of a motorcycle? <laughs> you mean it took me three no four attempts to get this initial mac pro macbook pro because of several problems with the, the initial ones and this one here now one key doesn't work anymore the fans starting to become really really noisy and Oh, it's, I don't know it just feels like it's going to fall apart maybe it's because it's overheating all the time, so incredibly. Yeah, well, I mean, you could be right, all that ex- contraction and expansion and all that sort of thing. Um, it's bound to tax it. The lid is like a bending, the lid's bent. So when you close it, it it's a, got a really big a gap. Yeah, mine's like that. But I, I, apart from that, it's been fine. Absolutely. I think that's just normal. <laughs> that's just normal wear and tear. <laughs> that's what a, happens when a... you close it with the pen still in it several Sonic times. Talk. Sponsored by Yamaha Music Production. Producers of the world's most popular digital mixing consoles. Accurate professional studio monitoring systems. Incredibly realistic and portable digital stage pianos. The versatile motif range of music production synthesizers. And the latest N-series digital mixing studios. Featuring the cleanest signal pump and full Cubase AI4 integration. www.yamahasynth.com 
Sonic Talk. Incidentally, Yamaha have got their own podcasts, uh, which are actually pretty good. In the September show, you can hear about uh, world superbike champion James Toslin, who uh, is an absolutely fantastic piano player. Uh, you can also talk, hear them talk to top session drummer Russ Miller, and you can win a Pocket Track 2G portable recorder. So head on over to yamahapodcasts.yamaha-europe.com to go and check out their podcast too. And once again, thank you very much to Yamaha for their continued support. Not what you call tuneful, but this is the new HG Fortune uh, synthesizer, um, which is called the Dream Machine, and it's kind of it's it's unusual in the fact that it's it doesn't have a keyboard input. You just kind of set it up and it just runs. And it, there's this um, video on there and lots of other kind of aspects of it that uh, uh, are demos which just run for ages. And it's it's like a kind of built-in David Lynch soundtrack. But I just thought um, it was pretty cool, actually. Did anyone get a chunk mark? Is this the sort of thing that would appeal to you? I mean, it just seemed you kind of set it up. It's working on the art principle of a sort of very, very slow LFOs that just kind of... It look, yeah, it does appeal to me. I don't have TDM, though, and it doesn't... No, 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 that's the, that's the thing. Because I, I looked at it and it said TDM, but it's actually an abbreviation, The Dream Machine. So oh. it's, it's a PC I VST. And I saw TDM and thought, no, I don't have that here at home. I don't. There's nothing I can. No, do. he needs to sort that out. Yeah, I, I just kind of went. Yeah, I like it, but well, yeah. I mean, it sounds exactly like what I used to muck around with. I mean, I when I had the what are those red things called? The little red things. Clavier Nord Modular. I used to sit there and make patches that did precisely what that thing was doing. Lots of different things all evolving and overlapping over time. And I made a whole album of it, actually, at one point. Yeah, no, I thought this Mark. was pretty... No, no, Mark, it was me that did the whole album. <laughs> you, can actually, you can actually download it from a weird site, and I did, uh, I, did uh, I think, 20 hours of self-evolving, self-reproducing sequences with the Nord modular, just like Mark. Wow. And, <laughs> so we both had... Same idea, it must have been around 1900, uh, <laughs> about 2000, 2000, about the year yep, 2000. Yeah, me too. At oh, the turn of the ah! century. I knew you were a, you were a, a sole uh, companion of myself. I thought, I, I quite identified with this, I quite liked the sort of textures and the sort of evolution of it, and I'm, I'm going to, I haven't had a chance to download it, but I'm going to, HG Fortune, and it, a lot of his stuff is based on this sort of self-generating algorithms, this works in three parts, it's got a kind of, um, a, a base, bottom, it calls bottom, rather unfortunately, the next one is called back or pad, and the next <laughs> one is called sparkles, so... Um, but it it, it it provides, as it says, there are three dedicated parts, bottom, bass, back pad, and sparkles providing 
quite complex atmospheres and soundscapes which is mostly determined by the sequence of waves. Each part has a 24-step sequencer of waves, each with its own tempo setting to get more variations along with the three parts. 79 bucks available, should be available sort of now-ish, but I didn't notice that it was just yet. But you can download the demo. I liked it. PJ, is this something that you could imagine using as a sort of texture generator, Puff? Yeah, um, I have mixed feelings about stuff like this. I mean, obviously, when you're you know when you're in a hurry or you want some inspiration, it's it's really fun to play around with something like this. But then on the other hand, you start to hear kind of um, you know the same things happening all over the place when uh, when new products come out that make it so easy to yeah. generate these types of soundscapes. That's why you've got to be in there right away and start using it immediately yeah, so exactly. that you get the gig. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah, because I was, I was um, after listening to the demos here, I was kind of poking around the web and I came across a, um, not something as similar, but uh, another company that has a, uh, a product out called Evolve, um, the sample uh, provider called Heaviosity. And they're marketing directly to media composers. And if you listen to the demos on their website, they're really fantastic. You know, you've got about eight gigabytes worth of ready-made stings and percussion loops and this type of thing. And I think when you, you know, when you plug them all together, it sounds like everything that's current in an action film or a a television commercial, that kind of thing. Um, But also it sounds all the same. Yeah. Yeah. But doesn't doesn't it anyway, though? Aren't they just kind of uh, cutting, yeah. cutting to the chase? <laughs> I, I guess, but I mean, then who's going to get hired to do this kind of thing anymore? Well, if it's you know, if it starts getting narrower and narrower. Yeah, well, that's true. That's true. It's it's a weird idea. This sort of self generation stuff. I know, Dave. I've heard some of your stuff, and it's quite sort of ambient in its nature. I mean, do you think this this had a, could play a part in anything? It's quite an interesting. It's it's a synthetic creation, I think, isn't it? And I don't know. I mean, the interfaces look a bit sort of clunky to be honest i mean as as is um by the website but the sound of it seems pretty interesting yeah i mean it seems to be a kind of wavetable with a load of tap delays on it doesn't it really yes it's quite interesting it's quite interesting it's an interesting take i mean you know the synthetic um stuff is used in a sort of variety of ways and we quite like you know people doing sort of quite unique inventions with it i think that's what's quite cool about this Synthetic is like a what? It's like a uh, an instrument environment for the PC. Is that? that yeah, be? yeah. I mean, you can kind of create your own um, VSTs, hmm. and they're basically kind of modules that you kind of piece together. But this looks a little bit more detailed than that. Well, this guy's got some interesting. He's got some other interesting ones. There's something called X X Wheel of Fortune Four, which sounds kind of good. It's a similar thing. He's kind of really into this whole idea of self generating ag- algorithmical kind of stuff and it definitely has a flavor it's very dark and sort of some of those textures sort of sound very much like those kind of massive real world um gabriel-esque and um just sort of warm dense soupy things which i, I don't know they can't i i was listening to it for a while watching the video and i started to feel a bit out of it to be perfectly honest and i, <laughs> and I i'm a bit i am a bit tired but you know apart from that i'm totally clean <laughs> There's someone missing from this conversation, isn't there? Who's that? That's Brian Eno. Yes, there oh, is. Absolutely. Yeah. And then I think this, there's something missing from this machine as well, and I think that's uh, ver- more variables. So I think uh. he needs to port it to the Mac and then to take advantage of the motion sensor in the, um, in the Apple MacBook Pro so that you could just have this thing running and you could wiggle your laptop every so often 
or maybe port it to the iPhone and then shake the iPhone every so often to make it do you know slightly variable things so all the mm. parameters just kind of dribble about into different yeah that could be interesting that i don't know i mean it's really I, cool I, I think i want to download it and check it out because it does so much stream to the web hey you could have an eight minute evolving ringtone oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> Personalized. you know what the sound of, what the sound of this reminded me of was there's a sound designer named ian body who does a lot of sort of dark uh, ambient mm. sounds for a lot of um uh, different sample providers, most notably, I have a I have a sample collection called Vapor by East West, and um, he did the sounds for that. And more recently, I think he did the sounds for a collection called Ambiosis. And th- this sounds like the stuff you know he reportedly takes hours to come up with. So <laughs> well, it's some- <laughs> getting you know it's getting uh, easier and easier yeah. to generate these really complex textures. Yeah, yeah but, but I think, uh, as Mark pointed out, the the theoretical background to all of this has been uh, laid out by Brian Eno, right, Mark? Yeah. He has, uh, yeah, he sort of started, it's, it's, it comes from the idea of the, it's kind of mixed with the ambient idea in a way. And um, I think uh, it's not intended really to to create one thing or one piece of music algorithmically and then use it and listen to it like you would um, in a normal for, for a mu- normal music song but Brian Eno sort of more goes into the philosophy where it's more of a background ambient sort of si- mood generating yeah. type of thing it, it def- rather than trying to replace sound effects yeah no movie. that's fair enough. i mean yeah. it definitely does evoke a mood i mean whether or not it's only the sync it's very sort of serene i mean you could imagine say um hypnotherapists buying it to record their tapes to do you know what i mean and sort of put that on and stick a kind of uh, gentle voiceover idea. or maybe you know you can imagine carl sagan kind of doing a voiceover to it for the uh <laughs> for some kind of cosmos based program you know Back, back from the dead. Well, yeah, Carl's. you know, <laughs> the black hole. The black hole, exactly. Yeah. Have Have any of you have Has anybody heard the soundtrack to the new game Spore that's been released that Brian Eno did? It's all algorithmically generated. No, soundtrack. I didn't. Oh. I bet he just bought yeah. a copy. I bet he just bought a copy of this and then just talked it up well. <laughs> Maybe he that's, did. That's, that's what he is best at, anyways. Ah, <laughs> uh, we do love these um, eggheads. Anyway, HG Fortune, <laughs> HGF Synthesizer DE, a compatriot of yours, Han. You live okay. in Germany, don't you know him? <laughs> no. Do I have to know all sixty million? People that yes. happen to live in Germany, Nick. <laughs> yes. Because every time I'm in the States, they ask me if I know somebody called Mackenzie who lives in Scotchland. Yeah, excellent. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get this, Mark, and I, I, I think it's worth looking at. Do you want to get it? Yeah. Okay. I tell you, what, why don't we buy it and you can review it? Okay, cool. Yes, Brilliant. definitely. Okay, right. Uh, um, Mark, Mark, can you do the German version as well? German version, I'm, uh, well, I've got lots of German speakers in the family. My girlfriend and my niece and my daughter are all German speakers, so maybe I could get them to translate yeah. it. Why um, ever not? <laughs> but in the meantime, let's just try a little bit of this. Hey, you, you. I don't want to 
enough of that. You know who that is? Avril Lavigne and her video uh, for Girlfriend uh, is the first to reach 100 million views on YouTube. 100 million views on YouTube. I mean, what not that like kind of everybody in the world speak it, who speaks English, pretty much? I have a confession to make. What? About 20 million of those are probably me. Really? Are you a fan? Come on, no. No, probably my daughter, though. God, she loves Avril Lavigne. Does she? I, 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 could, I was watching it, and I thought, hey, this is all right. And then as I watched it more and more and more, I was thinking, hold on a minute. This has got a really nasty sentiment. It's basically, you know, you're geeky. You don't, I want your boyfriend, and, you're a, and, I, it's just, and she just basically injures this poor girl and chucks her in a... F- I know it's tongue-in-cheek, but it didn't, <laughs> seem like, it didn't seem like a very good thing to be preaching to the young children today. A hundred million of them, the poor little innocent people. No? It sits quite well alongside Skater Boy. See you later, boy. Yeah, I suppose it does. It's the same thing. She doesn't seem like a very nice person. But anyway, a hundred million YouTube views. I mean, that is just a kind of a bit of a mind-boggling figure. I remember, Mark, you did a little thing where you got kind of into the chart um, by doing a refresh thing. I was going to suggest that she may have done that, but they kind of get wise to that, and they—I think—they log IPs, so they'd have to have a very clever system to bounce it up that high. Hans, did it work? Did 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 the Earth move for you when you watched this video? No, no, no. But I I know that. (laughs) But I know that young people like my son—they don't watch a video once; they watch it a hundred times. So Uh, could be that there's a couple of there's only a million of them. Uh, absolutely that's right that's what i watched it a hundred times that's a very good point but uh, so i mean gosh what's the next figure a a billion a billion views on youtube has got to be the next milestone jesus but anyway the thing that's quite interesting about this is uh, you know all of those hundred million views and presumably gazillions of sales and number ones everywhere must be reflected because it's so popular it turns out that um this is uh, this is being um, contested by a band called the Rabinus, who wrote a track called "Girlfriend" in 1978, and they're taking them to court. Yeah, the lawsuit names um, Levine's publishing company and the co-writer of "Girlfriend," who's the producer um, remixer Dr. Luke, who I'd never heard of, and has actually done absolutely tons of pop stuff. I mean, really, kind of, he's he seems to be the man. Um, but the, what is interesting about this is um, they're, they're, su- they're suing, and te- um, Levine's Vancouver-based manager, Terry McBride, says, there is nothing similar between the two songs. Shall we see if there is? Yeah, let's see. Mark, Mark yes, didn't, didn't, you, um, didn't you record something? Well, I found the uh, Rubinus, the Ribinas, or whatever they're called, uh, website earlier on, and I downloaded the two songs, and I mucked about with them in Logic for a bit, and basically, I mean, they're saying there's no similarities in melody. I mean, it's probably because Avril Levine's shouting. That's probably the only reason why there aren't. And, and no similarity in meter. And there's about 10 BPM difference. So I... I um... Let's have a listen. Original. And again. <laughs> so that last one, Mark, was that the f- that was, was that- transposed and shifted to to make it sound the same speed and key as the Rubinus one. Try playing them both together. Okay. Hey, you, I 
that's a bit of an unholy mess, but it's not actually um, <laughs> There's too... There's only cla- one note that clashes, though, in the middle of all that, isn't there? Yes, there is. Yeah, that's true. Um, I don't know. What, I don't know how that stands, really. I mean, that's, that's, I think you'd be hard-pressed. I mean, it's gone the same beat, sure. Um, but there is a slight difference in melody, melody, and the riff is a bit different, isn't it? Or, oh, you, come on. No? <laughs> No, 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 give I've me got a job a, I, as a musicologist. That's absolute complete <laughs> plagiarism. I've never heard anything best. so close. Yeah, <laughs> you can't get away with that and not pay those people. Yeah, even if exactly. she subconsciously heard it, even if she did it completely by mistake, she has to give them something because it's so close. No, what does no. he say? It is. No, no, no. Don't you think so? Because there's, there's only twelve notes in a scale. I mean, <laughs> uh, let's let's just be fair. I mean, their song goes, not- "Hey, hey, you." I want to be your boyfriend, and hers goes, hey, hey, you. I want to be your girlfriend. Girlfriend. I mean, come on. Hold on, mean, let's... Come on. This is a phrase that has been used millions and trillions over the history of man. The hand... Oh, who hand. are you to say that this is the first time in... The hand... Let me just refresh your memory. Our musicologist says there are no similarities of melody, choral progression, or meter. The one thing that is interesting... McBride adds, Avril has insurance that covers these sort of suits there are, that are so prevalent in this business. Fantastic. <laughs> Good for her. Isn't that brilliant? Third party far and plagiarism. I wonder how much that insurance costs, or, or more importantly, how much the next renewal policy due date will cost after this. <laughs> Perhaps. We're upping your premiums, Yeah, Avril. I'm sorry. <laughs> So anyway, but 100 million YouTube videos, I mean, that is still kind of pretty astonishing. I'd be happy with a million, frankly. I mean, I think we got about half a million total, but we don't put a lot of... You must have loads, Hans. You put a lot of your stuff on YouTube. Yeah, also about a half a million. Mark, how about you? Come on, how big's yours? How big's my world? Your YouTube count. (laughs) I deleted most of mine, actually, because I got bored of it, so... Back catalog. I like your idea, so now you're going to sell it on DVD. Yes, of course previously deleted material what a great idea i wonder if it was her who uploaded it because imagine getting a hundred million it was rca records it was okay well that's i suppose that's all right then in fact i heard youtube have this kind of charging policy that if you put up copyrighted material like record labels and what have you then they there's a special kind of account that they charge for so imagine i don't know what they charge them for a hundred million downloads that's kind of got to eat into your promotional budget somewhat hasn't it yeah no, I'm not aware of it at all. I'm pretty sure. Maybe, well, maybe I'm wrong. If anyone out there knows anything more about this, I'd be interested. But imagine you have to pay your, your bandwidth for 100 million downloads, which gets you a little bit of press like this on this program, which is going to get you no new um, <laughs> listeners at whatsoever. <laughs> and you also get sued. Mm. That's a bit of a, that's a, maybe a great marketing idea gone horribly wrong. Fantastic. I think the Rubinos should demand a guest spot in Avril Lavigne's next video. I think they should, yeah. yeah. Maybe they should just ask. They should. They should ask for half the writing credits on her next album, whether they yeah. are involved or not, or maybe just a couple of tunes. You know, it's got to be worth a few quid, isn't it? Yeah, she's pulling in twelve million a year, according to. Uh, where did I read wow. that? Wow, that's a lot of money, isn't it? Even, <laughs> even well, even if it is untrue, even if it's only partly true, <laughs> that's still a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> Waldorf Blofeld keyboard 
Mm, new keyboard. Um, how many keys? Uh, 49 weighted keys with aftertouch. Uh, the the Blofeld, which is kind of successful. Hans, you've reviewed the actual Blofeld desktop unit. And, Several uh, times. Yeah, you you thought pretty highly of it, didn't you? I mean, from what I've heard of it, yeah. it sounds, sounds pretty good. Now, this one's got 60 megs of sample memory, which presumably means you can load things like, I don't know, you could load the Rubinos into it almost in its entirety and use that as part of a wavetable to drive oscillators or anything you like. Is that how it works? Do you know anything about this 60 meg- magic 60 megabyte of sample memory? No. Uh, but um, they promised to send me a unit very soon, so we'll probably find out more about it. Wow, well, that sounds good. That's going to be something to look forward to on yeah. musotalk.de. Yeah, the Blofeld shows have been extremely successful. There seems to be a high demand yes. from the, the world out there for Waldorf products, which well, that's come a, that... from a small town in the Eiffel in Germany, near where I was living and spent my childhood. There's obviously whatever it is in the water down there. <laughs> Works. Dave. Have you tried the Blowfold? I mean, I know we have talked about the Blowfold. We talked about it after NAM or Messer, I think. Uh, but um, have you tried it? Will you be uh, hankering after something like this? Have you got wavetable love in your synth arsenal? Do you know, funnily enough, I looked at, uh, I do a kind of <laughs> probably a bi-weekly trawl of the SOS readers ads. And there was a um, Waldorf Wave for sale on there today, which I had to wrestle with uh, not buying. Really? How much do they want for it? Not as much as you might think. About 1,700 quid. Really? God, it was about six grand yeah. when it came out, wasn't it? Exactly, yeah. There's a 40 disk drive, but um, hey. I did use the first, you know, the first one that came out, and that wasn't particularly stable. But um, no, <laughs> still, I, still doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I was worried about. I thought, you know, I could quite easily waste 1,700 quid here. Um, but I really like the little module of this. I don't think I've got room for another keyboard, but I really, really like the little module. Definitely. I wonder if they've, there's actually 60 megs of sample RAM in the little module that they're going to just kind of magically appear, or whether it's actually a hardware thing, hardware update. No, very interesting, though. Wavetable stuff. Mark Tinley, are you a wavetable guy? Um, yeah, off and on. I've never really I... got into it. I don't know why. Sorry? I've never really got into it, and I'm not sure why. Maybe I just haven't got anything that is wavetable. I find those sounds harder to fit into mixes than other ones. In other words, analog sounds are fairly simple. And we'll sort of blend in if you've got a lot going on. But when you've got something from Wavetable synth, it's generally the sounds I like from them are the more complex ones, which which sort of work better in isolation. And when you try to mix them in with stuff, they just sort of get swallowed up and disappear. So um, yes and no, really, is the answer. I have to say, I think we have the ultimate in wavetable synthesizers here. It's called the Cheetah MS800, and Chris programmed all the presets on it. And uh, the great trick with this was that when you put it into edit mode, you couldn't hear anything. <laughs> Just guess mode. So you had to do this random programming, and then you'd have to press the exit button, and only then could you hear what you'd done. And, then, uh, and only then if you've saved it, or was it, did it have an edit buffer? Actually, I seem to remember him um, losing loads of sounds and crying. <laughs> Maybe that was a Korg wave station or something. I can't remember which. Oh, boy. No, I've never really got... I don't, I don't know. Maybe I should try, but I do want to try the Blowfield. As, uh, as you know, I, d- I recently reviewed the Virus TI Snow, um, which I think it's got some wavetable capabilities, but I didn't really focus on that. I really like that. And the only similarity being it's German and it's a desktop module. I suppose I used, <laughs> I suppose I used um, simple wavetable things like the profit vs i had one of those with four different very very small waveforms in it uh-huh 
that was nice. PJ, have you wavetable kind of guy, or is it? Uh, back in the day, I had a WaveStation EX in uh, one of the rack mount modules and played around with that a little bit, but never really got heavily into programming it. Do you think the key would be um, loading your own samples in there? That's going to kind of make a big difference. I think that would be a lot of fun. Um, what is the the new um, Nord Wave also does that? Yes, you can st- I think you can stick a USB stick in it or something. I'm yeah, not entirely that looks sure. fascinating. Both of these both of these products look really cool. I, I'm with Dave though. I probably wouldn't buy another keyboard if they if they added the 60 megs of sample RAM to the module. That might entice me to buy it mm. if they released like a Mark II version of the module. Very interesting. So, so Hans, quickly, what's the what's the kind of the the, the best thing about the Blofeld? What's the kind of if you had to sum it up in kind of three or four words? What's the kind of what's the greatness about it? Um, the first, obviously, the sound. It's got a pretty ballsy bass. Um, what I also like is that although it's only got a few controls, you can navigate quite well, and the whole unit feels very solid. You know, mm. it's not a plastic; it's made in Germany. Ooh, that's probably why they can't make enough of them because they can't get them done quickly enough. Yeah, and uh, yeah. Basically, I mean, it brings for me. It was good because it's, it's they still got some of the old microwave one and two sounds. In well, there. they said. I mean, when we when I spoke to Wolfram Frank at um, I think it was Mesa, he, I mean, basically they incorporate they chucked everything all the all the kind of old um, Waldorf kind of OS and capabilities into this to, as a starting point. Yeah, yeah, it's basically everything they've done before in that little box. Basically. Well, anyway. Coming soon, um, I'm not sure what it's going to be in the US. Uh, they're typically a little bit more expensive than double because of um, the import and stuff. But it's 599 UK with the with the keyboard. And so maybe somewhere 12, 1300 bucks, I would imagine. I don't know what the, what it costs US dollars, the actual module in the US. I think it's probably about 500, isn't it? Something like that. Five, 600. Mm. This was actually sent in by uh, Kieran Klaassen from the Netherlands, who is a regular listener to the show. Uh, hi, Kieran. Thanks for posting this. This is um, this is the Apple Loop uh, called Time Lapse, which I will just play. Obviously, Apple Loops, you can chuck them in your seat. They're a bit like Rex files, so they change with the tempo without the transposition. So you can manipulate them in time and space within your sequencer um, logic, obviously, as it's an Apple Loop. So there it is. And this is The Sugar Babes. And it's a track called uh, Change from 2007. Obviously sped it up. It must have worked in logic. I don't think we need a musicologist in the room to um, to recognise the similarities between those two um, samples. But um, interesting. I don't know what that kind of means, but, the, you know, why not? What's the? I wonder what the licensing is. Um, I think it raises two questions. It raises first the question is, should I use Apple Loops 
or anything that millions of other musicians probably have on their hard drive for my song because somebody else might already be using it. And the second thing is, and, uh, and what happens in terms of copyright is, for example, on this track, is there the writer's credit going to the guy who did the Apple Loops? Or is it, or did I buy the license to use it when buying the program? And uh, if you have a little bit of time to spare, I can tell you a very interesting story about Snap and the Cubase phrase synthesizer. You want to hear it? It's actually touching mm. exactly the topic. Okay. Because with, with, uh, with, Log uh, with Cubase, there used to be a program um, coming with it called the Interactive Phrase Synthesizer. I remember that, that just, yeah. Yeah, we just throw up you know, uh, kind of melodies and you can change it around like a synthesizer, but instead of producing sounds, it would produce different notes. But it also had a couple of preset patterns in there from which you could tweak your own in phrase. And what happened is, it was, uh, Cubis was released and then uh, the, the project Snap You probably know the track The Power. I've got or, the power! Yes. Yeah, and there was another one called Rhythm, <laughs> Rhythm, Rhythm is a Dancer. Yep, yep. And on the B side of Rhythm is a Dancer, there was a, a, a remix of the track using exactly one phrase out of the phrase synthesizer from Cubase mm -hmm. with no alternations. Basically, just like as we heard with the Sugar Bass, something that came with the program but involved melody and notes. And the guy who actually wrote the phrases for Steinberg tried to sue Snap for it, saying that he was the original author of the piece of music and that they owed him a writer's credit. Right. Which is an interesting thought and question because is that actually already worthy of being called a composition, yes or no? And how about the rights? Do I owe the rights because I bought the program? Mm. And interestingly, because the Snap guys are pretty clever, their return of those questions was not, hey, we bought the program, now we can use the music. No, they claimed by sending him an old cassette out of a club five years earlier where they where you can hear in the background the same melody and they said we already did that five years before the cubist version was released so you, we will never owe you anything which was quite clever because they didn't really go into the discussion whether they actually had a right to use it or not or whether that was already a composition in itself i think it's an interesting question and um, my thoughts on it is i don't know I would assume that um, Apple would have this nailed pretty pretty down. I would think, you know, they presumably pay the people for their Apple loops. I mean, if you get a worldwide hit, because of your, you know, it's a music composition and creation tool that you're buying, and it comes with a load of Apple loops. So I'd be interested to read the license. Maybe we should get someone to look at that. But, I mean, I would assume there wouldn't be much to stand on, but that is a fairly blatant and sort of full-on kind of use of that. I mean, it's there's no, it's unequivocally it, isn't it? Unless, of course... It was their loop that they gave to Apple for the Apple loops. Who knows? <laughs> But what about synthesizer patches, which have so much going on with them that they basically create a complete landscape of sound on their own? And by that, I mean, when you first turn on the K2000, there's a patch number one, which I think is called something like Third World Order. 
And several years ago, I went out and I bought this all-heralded, amazing self-help kind of self-hypnosis kind of this will change your life CD, right? By this woman whose name I can't recall at the moment. And I put this thing in my CD player and lay back and thought, okay, cool, I'm going to change my life. And she basically done an improvisation using sound number one in the K2000 and pretty much nothing else. And I listened and I thought... You just couldn't take your mind off that. The K2000. Yeah. But that that's the case of um, a lot of, you know, early, late 80s, early 90s, and even up into mid-90s, uh, television soundtracks were littered with uh, one specific patch from the Korg M1. Yeah, sure. Um, well, it's those yeah, sort of classic I mean, you, presets, isn't it? But Yeah, you can hear them all over the place. And you, and you hear the, the case is the true in loop, or the... The same is true with loops as well. You can hear them. What's interesting about this case is, like you, Nick, I'd be interested in reading the license because, for instance, I own, um, you know, I own lots of uh, loop collections, and I happen to pour through the license on one collection called Total Rex. And this collection is a collection of about uh, it's five five or six gigabytes of Rex files. And the license is interesting in that <clears throat> you wouldn't be able to get away with what the Sugar Babes got away with um, having that loop sit out in the open as it does because they require that you layer at least two other disparate loops that are not part of the Total Rex collection at any given time during a composition in order to have it um, you know, air. Good Lord, that, that's kind of weird. That's stupid. Well, how on yeah. earth can you? Yeah, that's a, that's a peculiar one. I mean, Dave, you've designed, you presumably done a load of synth patches. I mean, what do you think? I think it's bollocks. <laughs> is the honest answer. Um, I think as a sound designer, this is what we we kind of live for stuff like this. You know, there's nothing I like better than hearing a synth patch I've done on a hit record. There's a couple of instances where people have kind of taken the mick. For example, when uh, Lee Groves did a sample CD. Um, called guitar, some, it was a load of acoustic guitar stuff, and I think a band called Urban Species took the demo and then put a rap over that, and I thought that was slightly out of order. But I mean, if yeah. it's a loop library, you know, surely to be fit for purpose, it has to be that somebody can take this and use it within their composition. Yes, I mm. totally agree. If you if you listen to movie trailers or even even full on movie soundtracks, you hear a lot of stuff out of, for instance, the Stylus RMX core library. There's a lot of stuff that's that's out there that's you know blatantly right from the library, not altered very much at all. I mean, you can you can identify it immediately. And, yeah, and as you were saying with this synth earlier, you know, I mean, it, you, we're probably going to hear those kind of. Um, sound effects all over you know ads and stuff like that but i mean you know omnisphere atmosphere yeah. all of those things i mean blimey they're used all over the place and actually yep. spectrosonics turn around and go yeah great our stuff's being used on heroes and all this kind of stuff that's yeah, the point bra- yeah. they, they brag it up on their website as right yeah, as rightly yeah. they should yeah so you need this so buy our product because then you will be swimming with the big fishes as it were. I've yeah. never understood this mentality of you know i don't i don't use presets and i don't use loops that's what they're there for Mm. There was just thanks very much, Kieran. That's uh, generated a bit of interesting discussion. Thank you very much. And incidentally, anybody, please do keep your comments coming. You know, you can leave them at the bottom of the um, sh- the show. There's a load of show notes. There's a comment section. 
there's usually somebody responding somewhere. So if you've got a question or anything, you can just pop it in there or ring the Sonic Talk uh, numbers I'll give you at the end of the program or the Sonic Talk Skype handle. You can leave a message there. But keep it coming. It kind of helps generate discussion. Okay, thank you very much for joining us um, this week. Uh, that was a great show. And don't forget, leave your comments anywhere on the show notes. And the 100th show is going to be 24th September, sonicstate.com forward slash live. Dave Spears from GeForce Software, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Non-Eric from musotalk.de. Thank you. PJ Tracy, thanks for getting across town. PJ, uh, of course, can be found at pjtracymusic.com. That's right. Yeah. Thank you, Nick. It's been a pleasure. And Mark Tinley, of course, myspace.com forward slash Mark Tinley. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right, guys. Um, brilliant. Thank you very much. Um, until next time. Sonic State. Let's go.